Merry Christmas, everybody. It is another cop- uh, death copy. Another episode of JB's Driving Podcast. It's uh, Jimmy with PC Paul over there. I don't think there's any reason to be PC this week. No, no, we're doing a little bit something um, more traditional, I guess you can say. And, and the genesis of this uh, deals with the season that we're in right now, the Christmas season. When this is released, it will be the week before Christmas. The second part will be the week of Christmas. Actually, released on Christmas Eve. Yes. The second part will be. Yeah, yeah. Christmas, Christmas is on a Tuesday this week. Yeah, so. This yeah, year, this sorry. Year, this week, this, whatever. <coughs> but yeah, it's. You know um, what I meant. I know what you, everybody knows what you meant. Everybody's call up in the holiday hubbub and all that. So. Actually, I, I was talking to my mom. Me and my mom watch this movie every year. I was talking to her earlier today. She was like. When are you guys doing it so I can call in? I'm like, oh, <laughs> we don't do them live. Yeah, not doing. Yeah, them I live. said it's just way too much involved in trying to do them live. Actually, I prefer doing it this way. I really, I, I, I really prefer just taping them. Yeah, I yeah, like doing editing and all that, getting it, you know, refining the episode. You know, just gives us a little bit more leeway stuff. Yeah, so this is this is the probably. This is the one that we never miss. We always yeah. watch this one every year. So Yes, this is. And, and we are talking about 1984, A Christmas Carol. How appropriate for the season. Before we get to that, um, any thoughts on, on Die Hard? Um, it's a Christmas movie. It's a Christmas movie. I don't give a shit what anybody says. I, I saw something on Twitter. Somebody put something out on Twitter the other day about, uh, I don't know if it was... Scott or Timmy that retweeted it, but uh, about how 63% of the people say that it's not a Christmas movie. That's absurd. Those same idiots would basically say that Home Alone is a Christmas movie, which it is. I'm not saying that it's not, but what literally what difference is there between Home Alone and Die Hard? I, I, I agree, and I'm actually ready. When, when it comes down to being the, a Christmas movie. It, it, it's, it's about a kid being Home Alone. At Christmas. At Christmas, yeah. And that's it. The the only part of that that has anything to do with Christmas is that it's, you know, around Christmas around time. Christ- the I, rest I, of it is him, you know, screwing with these burglars and, you know, but it's it was billed as a Christmas movie. It came out at Christmas time. The, the sequel is also at Christmas time. You're talking about Die Hard 2? Die Hard 2 and Die Hard Home Alone 2. And that's what convinced, that's what, con- that's what really convinced me. Is when I want to see. I wasn't sure. Was, I don't no, Die Hard Three isn't a Christmas movie. No, theory. no. I get Die Hard Two and uh, with a Vengeance confused sometimes. Vengeance is Part Three, and yes. that's where they're in New York. Yes, and it's Christmas. in the middle of summer or something. Yeah, but Die Hard Two took place Christmas Eve. Yes, and your cousin also pointed out and completely escaped me that Holly Gennaro. Yeah, Holly. Her name is Holly. Yeah, it just, it just, it just <laughs> I don't, I don't know how many more hints you need that it, that we're supposed to remember that this is Christmas. It's, it's a, about a guy returning to his family because of Christmas. Yeah, only reason why he was there because yes. of Christmas. Exactly. There was a Christmas party going on, and the whole point is is to spend his holiday with his family. Yes. He has to survive all this nonsense to 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 actually spend Christmas. With his family. Exactly. And, and you know what? Arnold Schwarzenegger did the same thing in Jingle All the Way. He had to go through some hijinks to get the Turbo Man doll. Oh, yeah. Spank Christmas. Oh, well, yeah. You know, I mean, literally, the only thing that that has to do with is he's trying to get a Christmas present for his kid. So if you're going to say Jingle All the Way is a Christmas movie, 
how the hell can you not say Die Hard is a Christmas? It just doesn't make any sense. It, it just, I mean, there's a lot of Christmas movies that are only considered Christmas movies because they're based at Christmas time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, there are some that are specifically, you know, uh, suited to Christmas. I mean, this is a, a Christmas Carol being a perfect example of that. Correct. I mean, it's obvious that that is built, it is created 100% behind Christmas, but even behind that, mm-hmm. you, you could make the argument, you could make the same argument for A Christmas Carol that you could make for Die Hard, against, you know, against it being a Christmas movie. Because, mm-hmm. okay, you have, you have ghosts, you have, it, it's really just the, uh, it's a story about one man's, uh, you know, coming to term with, with not having any joy or happiness in his life. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, and that's essentially what the story is about. So yep. you, you could have that at any time of year, but the fact that they have it at Christmas makes it a Christmas story. Yeah. So uh, the same, con- you know, the same argument for Die Hard, Die Hard 2, Home Alone, Home Alone 2. If you, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen Home Alone 3, but I don't actually believe that happens at Christmas time I at all. don't remember. It's not the same kid, so it, no, it, it kind of stinks. Yeah. It, to me, if if the genesis of the movie, if, if the catapult of the movie has to do with the holiday... You mean the catalyst? The catalyst. Yeah. Cats. God damn it. No, that's okay. The catapult could work, too. It could work, but the catalyst for the movie, if it, it, or, the, or the story, if it is the holiday, if it's a Christmas holiday, then it's a Christmas movie. Well, yeah. I mean, okay, the best Thanksgiving movie of all time. Plane trains, trains and automobiles. automobiles. Yes. What does that actually have to do with Thanksgiving? Not a whole hell of a lot, considering the fact that the only thing is he's trying to get home mm-hmm. to spend Thanksgiving with his family. It's the same freaking same setup. Yeah. It's the same setup. It's just a different story. What about Halloween? Think about Halloween. Okay. You know, Halloween is it's just a serial killer that attacks at Halloween. Yes. So, but it, everybody considers that a Halloween yes, movie. Yes, exactly. exactly. Uh, you know, at the same time, you had, you know, My Bloody Valentine. That is actually a date movie at Valentine's because it's set in Valentine's Day, even though it's the same movie. You know, it's it's just a killer going around killing a bunch of people. But, you know, it's a it's a way to take a girl out and you know, cuddle in a movie or whatever you want to do, mm-hmm. depending on how many people were actually in the theater. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, these movies, they get tied to different parts of the year, but that's, it's simply because that's what's, that's what's going on in the movie. I mean, to, to make the art, I mean, I don't know how you cannot, how you can make a legitimate argument against it being a Christmas movie. I. I agree. I agree, hundred percent. Just I, I, we've proved, we've given you several examples. I, I again, I can't see it. the one thing that really solidifies it for me was not just it was a cat. The, the holiday was a catalyst for him being there. It was the fact that Die R two also happened on Christmas Eve. Well, yeah, I think that 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 helps. I but the perfect one was definitely what Timmy brought up, which is his wife's name is Holly. Holly yeah. For That's, God's sakes, yeah. I mean. You know, unless he named his son Jesus, I don't know what else you needed. I mean, really, it was just over the top. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. 
still one of the best action films of all time. Uh, and, it, and it created an entirely new genre, genre in action yeah. uh, that didn't exist before. You had all the, the big muscle-bound mm-hmm. nuts that, that ran around in action films. Then you had Bruce Willis. Mm-hmm. And now you have Liam Neeson, who is obviously, you know, couldn't fight his way out of a paper bag. But literally, he gets movie after movie as an action star based on the concept that Bruce Willis did it. Man, we got to do Taken. Mm, I don't know. You don't like Taken? <sighs> Taken's horrible, man. It, all three of the Taken movies were horrible. I mean, they're watchable, but they're just not very good. Um, you know, I, I'd rather watch Nell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Actually, Dark Man is is Dark my Man. favorite movie with him in it. That's a good movie. So he, Dark I love Man. him in Dark. Dark Man. Man's a good movie. That is a really good movie. You're right. Okay, moving along. Moving along, you're probably listening to this. And, you're getting ready. Do you remember who played Dark Man at the end? No, who did? Because it was Liam Neeson the whole time until uh-huh. the very end of the I, film. No, who? Bruce Campbell. No shit. Yeah, yeah because it's a Sam Remy film. You're right. <laughs> Bruce Campbell will be getting to next year. Yeah. If you have, well, we, we announced it on one of the uh, podcasts how you and I, uh, one of our favorite <laughs> movies is Army of Darkness. Yep. Um, but I mean, I, 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 there's very little that he's ever done that I haven't enjoyed. One thing, of course, being Congo, well, but he's only in Congo for like, I don't know, three minutes. Mm hmm. Um, he gets killed in the first three minutes of the movie. So it, outside of that, like, there's very little that, that he's done that I haven't enjoyed in at least some form or fashion. Yeah. Alien Apocalypse is not one of his better films, but well, it's still enjoyable stars. because it's Bruce Campbell. Nick Cage was in Face Off. I mean, I'm going to take your face. <laughs> he's oh. still great in it, though. Everything about yeah, Nick Cage. Yeah, everything is about wonderful. Nick Cage. And he, he does shit movies now all the time. Like, they, you go on Netflix, he's got a, he's always got some new movie coming out every three or six months on Netflix. Direct to Netflix? I don't think it's direct to Netflix. It just, they all end up on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And it's a flip of a coin. One will be absolute dog shit, and the next one will be great. Snake Eyes. Snake Eyes. <laughs> Snake Eyes was so horrible, but it's, <laughs> but it's he's wonderful in that movie. He is absolutely he's, wonderful. He's so over the top, Nick Cage in that movie. Yes, yes. <laughs> but, he doesn't get enough credit, but I think that's an epi- that's a discussion for a, another episode. Yeah, an episode coming up. Yeah, shortly, very shortly, shortly after the new year. After the new year, we'll be announcing the next. Um, At the end of the episode, actually, I guess we'll probably announce our next ne- movie. Next two, we're gonna we're gonna announce our next two movies just because of the sheer length of one of them, and we want to give time for people to prepare themselves. Prepare themselves for the next two that are coming. <laughs> All right, so let's year. let's get to a Christmas Carol. Let's though. talk. Yeah, let's get to a Christmas Carol. Okay, so everybody knows that a Christmas Carol. Classic around this time of year. Yes. Written by Charles Dickens, who is uh, responsible for other uh, several other literary genius uh, works of genius. Works of genius, yes. The full title of it was actually A Christmas Carol in Prose, being a ghost story of Christmas. Back then, telling ghost stories around Christmas time 
was actually the norm. It just it's when you when you hear that one. What what Christmas song is it about telling ghost, um, ghost stories? They mention it in just a in a in a verse. Greg Klein or Scott Schaefer will probably call us out on this because they know everything apparently. Oh, okay. Well, so, they they also have the ability to look it up. They do, yes, and then act like they know what they're talking about. I I don't you know. Anyway, it, uh, Christmas Carol was uh, published by I'm Chapman. Pretty sure it wasn't. Baby, it's cold outside. No, it wasn't. Because that's it's, just all that, about rape. You, yeah, you cannot. You can no longer <laughs> listen to that. Yeah, um, that that one's being taken away. That is being taken away. Let me tell you something. I don't know. Are you listening to Christmas music yet? Of course, Gold Digger is still allowed. That one's fine. <laughs> but we're going to take away Baby. It's cold outside. Okay. They sure. want to take away a Christmas song. They should take away Christmas shoes. They could just the, 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 annihilate that song. I don't even know that one. I tell you what song is becoming like Christmas shoes is that new Five for Fighting song. About Christmas something with you. I just it's yeah. All, I don't all listen to f- anything it's, anymore. It's man. terrible. It's terrible. If it's not Christmas and Hollis, I don't really care. There that much. you go. There you go. Listen to Die Hard episode if you haven't. It's in the archives. Anyway, so December nineteenth, eighteen forty-three, uh, Chapman and Hall published a Christmas story. It was originally written, and it's I'm sorry, going back, uh, and it was one of five. Christmas-centered books that Dickens wrote, the others being The Chimes, The Cricket on the Hearth, The Battle of Life, and The Haunted Man. This one was written purely for the royalties because at this time, Dickens was in debt. During the first week of publication, it sold 6,000 copies, which was amazing for the time period, which would be 1843 England. But this is a movie podcast not a literary podcast. So that's about as all we're going to talk about in terms of Charles Dickens. Okay. What I think makes this version, the 1984 version of A Christmas Carol, which you can find on AMC, uh, it'll probably be played on TBS. Yeah. It is available. It always shows up. It always shows up. This is, we chose this version because you and I absolutely love, I have it on Blu-ray. Yeah, I do too. I love this version of the Christmas Carol. Uh, it's definitely my favorite version. And I think it helped out with the with the time when it came out in 1984, uh, when you and I were young. Yeah, still in the nine, house. ten. Nine, ten. You were a little younger. I was a little younger. I was six, seven, yeah. Right. Um, so it, it kind of makes us draw back to when we were innocent. Well, yeah, and we were young enough to be scared by the ghost. Mm-hmm. We were, you know... Jovial enough to still get the the spirit of Christmas in us. Yes, yes, yes. And I think it, anything that you know. And I'm not talking about my uncle coming over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dad, damn! That was holy cow! I still remember that night. <laughs> We're just tickling. <laughs> It doesn't know. That's not what it sounds like. It doesn't, nope. doesn't, it's totally different. Trust me. It's right. not what it sounds like. <laughs> Just an explosion. <laughs> Good <All right>. God. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, it still stands out. Um, so, <clears throat> time period 84. This was originally meant to go direct to, um, it was like a TV miniseries. No, not miniseries. It was d- direct to TV, broadcast network. Yeah, I believe this was, a TV, this was broadcast on TV first. Correct, and then I mean, you can tell because it 
it has it's segmented for commercials. It is. It really is in terms so, of the fade the blacks and all that. It yeah, is segmented. Yeah. But in the UK, it was actually the United Kingdom. It was released in movies. It was initially released in movies in the United Kingdom, but here in the United States, it was direct. And it was filmed for American audience, but it was filmed in England. Mm-hmm. So exactly, uh, exactly. But I think another another reason why this movie, this version of A Christmas Carol, really stands out is because of George C. Scott. He nails it. He nails it, and I'll talk about that during the movie. You'll talk about during the movie. George C. Scott is a phenomenal actor. Yeah. And he is a trained actor, which matters. Stage and mostly. Stage mostly. And which I, is which is this movie is definitely full of stage actors. Yeah. I mean, they're yeah. all very good actors. Very good. They're thespians. That's a tie in with Die Hard. Not only is it a Christmas movie, but Al Rickman was a trained Actor, stage actor. Well, yeah, I mean, when you get a stage actor, uh, for the most part, it it they tend, especially Shakespearean actors, they learn the craft. Mm-hmm. For the most part, I mean, obviously, there's going to be people out there that don't. But when you look at a person like, I don't know, I I was going to say Brad Pitt, but that's a bad example because he's actually become an actor at this point in his career. Mm-hmm. But if you look at his earlier work, he played one character. And he just kept playing that one character over and over again. And there's plenty of people out there that do that. Um, you know, uh, Kevin Cosner, perfect example of a guy who basically plays the same character in every movie. Yes. And there's other ones, and I'm just not thinking of them right now. But overall, you know, you have a person like George C. Scott who he could play you know, king of the world, he, you know, King Midas. And then, and the week later he could play a pauper. I mean, he could play any role that you throw in front of him and do it with precision that couldn't be found in, you know, in a lot of places. Mm -hmm. I, uh, yeah, uh, exactly. And that's what an actor is. Scott was born in Wise, Virginia, October 18th, 1927. Mother died at eight. His father, a Buick sales uh, executive, rose him from, uh, raised him from then on there. He eventually joined the Marines for four years when he was 18. After he got out of the Marines, he went to the University of Missouri as a journalism student, but eventually fell in love with acting. He started out on Broadway in Richard III. Then he moved on to television as a prosecutor in Anatomy of a Murder. He was nominated for Best Supporting Actor, in that role. Is that a movie or a show? It's, it was a uh, TV movie. Okay. A TV show. TV show, I'm sorry. All right. Uh, nominated for Best Supporting Actor, but he didn't care for this, the, uh, the cere- ceremony. He said it was a meat market and forced actors to become stars. He was nominated again for Best Supporting op- uh, Actor opposite Paul Newman in The Hustler. He wrote a message to the, the uh, Oscar board saying, no thanks, and refused a <laughs> nomination. <laughs> That's uh, pretty good. <laughs> that damn, you know, and he was the first actor to do that. Um, he was in several more movies until he eventually played Patton in the movie Patton. If you don't know who Patton is, brush up on your history. It's a man's man, not like the pansies we have out now. He won an actor for that. He won, I'm sorry, he won an Oscar for that. But you know what he did? I don't <laughs> think he went. He stayed home watching <laughs> hockey. <laughs> 
He was the first actor to refuse an Oscar, followed by Marlon Brando. He was quoted as saying, actors are the world's oldest underprivileged minority, looked upon as nothing but buffoons, one step above thieves and charlatans. These award ceremonies simply compound the image for me. Well, uh, I I think I agree with him. (laughs) I can't argue that. Guy's a genius. What What can you say? Times haven't changed. Times have not changed. You know, know, spending five hours blowing smoke up each other's ass (laughs) seems like... (laughs) Fellatio and all that. Oh, geez. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, the hell with them. That's Um, why I've never really watched them. I mean, I think I watched the Oscars one time in my life. I'm 43 years old, so I... I don't get it. I, you know, I watched it once, and it was mostly one of those situations where it was on... And I didn't change the channel, and I kind of came in and came out because I was working on something, you know? Yeah. So it wasn't like I really paid attention to it. It just happened to be on. Uh, I, don't, I, I don't get the fascination with them. No, I mean... I, I don't get the fascination with No, I don't have a problem with giving an award out, like Best Actor or, or, or Best Movie or whatever. But even, even that, those are so... God, every movie seems to be so fucking pretentious. Mm-hmm. You know, it, they're yeah. not. You'll what you'll never see is Iron Man winning Best Picture, even you know, or or something like that that makes yeah. a ton, a shit ton of movies. I, I'm sorry, shit ton of money. It's always you know the Shape of Water that made six hundred and thirty dollars yeah. in the theaters. I mean, yeah. it, nobody gives a shit. And people, I mean, I'm not saying it was a bad movie because I haven't actually seen it yet. But one way or the other. Come Obviously, on. nobody wanted to see that shit. It ain't Infinity Gauntlet. Come on, seriously. It's like, and then people pretend to like that shit too. That's what gets me. It's like, oh, that's so you know artistic and all that. It's like you know, it's an overdone bullshit. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's not like a new story. They're all the same stories, yeah. no matter what movie you go to. They're all based on you know a handful of stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're just presented in different ways. So to to act. You know, so pretentious on a story that already existed is just ridiculous. It's it's ridiculous, and if if you know, it's all about drama. There have been some phenomenal dramas that weren't artsy fartsy movies. I think one of the biggest ones was Shawshank Redemption. Yes, a phenomenal movie, but based but, on a book, which is a different premise. I mean, if you're movies that are based on books tend to be more thought out, mm-hmm. not always, but for the most part, more thought out. I agree fucking walk to remember walking off a cliff all these other movies like beaches (laughs) okay anyway uh back to scott scott eventually did accept an award an emmy award for his performance in hallmark hall of fame he said it was a more honest appreciation of his work so he started in all these movies, and eventually this, this idea to play Scrooge came along. He was initially reluctant to sign on to Scrooge. He said, I didn't want to do it because of Alistair Sims' version. That seemed to be the definitive version. Yeah. But I found a different way to approach the character. I decided that he was the loneliest man in the world, and that's how I played him. And I think this is another reason why this, this version stands out. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, you're... You, he, it's amazing how you feel sympathy for a man that is completely not sympathetic to anyone. And, and you, you find yourself pulled as much as you're repulsed. 
Oh yeah. To the character oh, versus, yeah. I mean, the Alistair Sims version is great. I'm, I'm not going to say it's not. You know, my grandmother always loved that version, mm-hmm. but it's a classic. It's, it's it you know, but the, to look, but it, to compare it, it's not. I don't even know if you compare the two because it's a completely different take on the character. It really is, and and it's amazing that you can manage to show hatred and joy at the same time, which he does in certain aspects of the movie. You know, uh, and that's that's and that's. I agree a thousand percent with what you just said. Hatred and joy. It's 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 great the way he's able to have all these different. Just it's just feelings. You can feel one way while the character is acting in a completely opposite way, and it's just great the way because of the way he delivers mm-hmm. the character and the lines and every part about it. But anyway, let's go on. So. <clears throat> Which brings us to Christmas Carol 84. It was filmed entirely on location in Dickens' native England, serving as a 19th century setting, was the historic town of Shrewsbury, which was a fantastic setting, may, may, may I say. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I don't know if everything was on a lot or if it was any of it was filmed outside. <clears throat> it looks like everything w- might have been filmed on a lot, though. Yeah. Uh, because it, you know, it definitely delivered on, you know, 18th century England, in but my opinion. It, it's, it, it was filmed in the city, though. Like, the lot wasn't... Oh, so it, it hadn't it was, been approved uh, at that point. It was still kind of, you know, historic? Yeah, it was still, yeah, it was still, it was still in the city. Oh, okay. It was all I, the or, city. That's what I was asking, if it was okay, done on a lot no, or if no. it was done in the city. It because was in Shrewsbury. It looked like... Uh, you know, a time that it had been stuck in time. There was this one I didn't mention it. I don't know if I mentioned it in here, um, in the, in the write up here, but there was actually something I read about a styrofoam cut, cut being blown across the street of one of the scenes, and they had to cut and do it again, do it over again because it was a styrofoam cut from like an auto shop across the street. Huh. Yeah. Think of like Ellicott City, you know, how they jammed, uh, well, it was still around. They jammed like, Modern stuff in the historic Ellicott City. All right, that's the only thing I can compare it to. But yeah, it was shot in Shrewsbury. Huh. Well, I, I guess if you film in, <clears throat> you know, you film in the right direction, you're you're going to see what you want to see, and you're not going to see all, you know, the modern shit that's in, you know, smack dab around it. Yeah. But that's why I was saying I didn't know if it was filmed on a lot or in an actual city because it it holds up pretty well. Mm-hmm. It does. It does. I mean, you had cobblestone walkways and Fan. shit like that. That's it's still there. You know, it, it's. I guess it's. I guess it's not our appreciation of England compared to where we are in the United States, where everything is modernized. But back in the old country, yeah, we still have some of that shit. I mean, we still have the marble stairs in Baltimore. We still have you know a lot of those older city uh, streets, mm-hmm. but um, you know a lot of the brick streets and shit like that have been repaved, repaved at this yeah. point, but. I mean, what can you do? What can you do? Yeah. I mean, that was foot travel. You weren't, I, I guarantee you that none of those roads were being used by, you Horse know. buggy. Well, street travel, essentially. I'm not, I don't, I don't think any of those roads were being used by cars. No, 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 no. I, I mean, you, so. some of them were cobblestone. Some yeah. were. I love cobblestone streets. You know, it, it's just, streets. there's no way you can run cars across that. It would just, just demolish demolish it. Demolish it, destroy the suspension, tires. What have you. Anyway, so 
Christmas Carol opens up with that. Uh, it's kind of like a hazy scene with the with the church bells ringing, um, and it's a funeral procession going through. It's it's a top down view of of Shrewsbury, and that's when Roger Reese is narrating at this point. Roger Reese playing uh, the Fred Hollywell, which is Scrooge's nephew. Yes, and he starts off with with the actual first verse of a Christmas Carol. Old Marley was as dead as a doornail. This must be distinctly understood, or nothing wonderful can come of this story I am going to relate. Old Marley was dead as a doornail, and then no good can come from the story without that being told or something, et cetera, et cetera. Right, well, we basically, uh, he was dead as a doornail because if he wasn't, then nothing then there's nothing special, special happened. Nothing special, nothing good can come. Yeah, something like that. Right, story. it was right, nothing right. special would have happened because right. if he wasn't dead, then, you know, then it's not a ghost, mm-hmm. essentially is what they were getting coming across with. Right, yeah, that's, and it, it, but, in, yeah, exactly. Uh, and you see there's different multiple shots here in the opening with the, the Christmas song playing in the background. You have... See a bunch of top hats, lots of detail inside of his old school Toy Story. Then there's the uh, four-piece quartet playing the Christmas music, which is kind of funny because those brass instruments, those piston valve instruments, they only became available in 1890, so a little bit out of place. Not as bad as Robin Hood. You mean like the trumpets and shit? Yeah, the piston valve idea. You can't. They. they, they yeah, I. Whatever. I, it's such a. That's a minor thing. Minor thing. Not like Robin Hood, which is they just were so damn lazy with that terrible movie. Terrible movie. Yeah. Well, yeah. So so you have different, you know, you get but the... But they never really put a time stamp on it either. I mean, it's not like they tell you what year it is, do they? I don't ever remember them actually telling you a year. In this movie? Yeah. It's the early 1800s. It's not, it's not the late 1800s or else there have been a little bit different... Uh, yeah, I I can't see the turn. I always thing. looked at the at, at the setting uh, as sometime in the 1800s, and you, you know what I mean. It, yeah. it just it didn't seem like a specific time frame to me, but just early England. Well, you can, know, yeah. Considering the book was written in 1843, I don't think he could have written about. Well, he could have written about the future, but whatever, whatever doesn't matter. Then we switch. Oh, I a, didn't <laughs> think it was set at the time that it was written. I just figured that oh. it was just. A setting a story, setting. not not a set story, but a setting story. No, well, whatever. It doesn't really whatever. matter. Whatever. Doesn't Regardless, matter. It, it's a minor, minor, yeah, thing. So then we switched after we had the establishing scenes of it's Christmas time in in, in England. You have uh, Scrooge in Marley's uh, counting house. This is occurring seven years after Marley's death on Christmas Eve. You have Bob Cratchit who is being played. Who Bob Cratchit? Um, the actor behind it being David Warner is uh, trying to put a piece of coal on the fire because it's because it's cold. It's very cold. Baby, it's cold outside. Baby, it's cold outside. And this is when you see Scrooge, Mister Cratchit. Yeah. And then, this is this is classic. It's like he lectures him about you know the use of the use of coal. Mister Cratchit, the fire's gone cold, Mister Scrooge. Come over here, Mr. Cratchit. What is this? A shirt. And this? A waistcoat. And this? A coat. 
These are garments, Mr. Cratchit. Garments were invented by the human race's protection against the cold. Once purchased, they may be used indefinitely for the purpose for which they are intended. Cold burns. Yeah, he what treats him like a child. Treats him like, like a child. He pretty much treats everybody in, you know, through the, the beginning of the movie. He treats them like they're less than him or they're children or they're... You know, they're just indifferent in his life. They're indifferent as they're <clears throat> indifferent in his life, and so he's going through the different different aspects of the clothing. He's eventually these are garments. They're meant to be warm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they keep you, they keep <laughs> they keep you warm. You don't need that. You don't you don't need that coal. I'm thinking like, man, putting coal in the fire that's that's a dirty uh, yeah a dirty source of fuel yeah, it, it, in an empty. You know, I, I don't know that. You would have a smokestack going out. No. If you're burning coal in there, it would get kind of kind of hazy. Man, that's why yep. I didn't want it. <laughs> then you see Scott as he after he yells at it, he like kind of does that thing that a parents do when their child does something stupid. You know, they put their head slowly, their hand slowly to their head, like fucking idiot. <laughs> the hell is he thinking? Right. Um. So then, of course, Cratchit backs down because he needs the job, and this is when you have uh, Fred. Hollywell, well, busting in through the door, who is play, who is uh, played by Roger Reese, who mm-hmm. is um, an actor we'll be getting to in a couple shows from now. Uh, he, uh, and I'm sorry, sorry, that was David Warner, who's playing Bob Cratchit, is an actor we're getting into a few shows from now. Yeah, Roger, Roger Reese was the guy from uh, Cheers. He was the guy from Cheers, and he also starred as the sheriff of Rottingham, in Mel Brooks' Robin, Men in T- Robin Hood Men in Tights. There you go. A much better version of Robin Hood than the one that we covered. Too Questionably. <laughs> Even though I love Carrie Elwes. Uh, <laughs> I just, I, I, there's just something about Mel Brooks' comedies that just never really you know, even Spaceballs? did it for me. Spaceballs is, the, is the, the exception to prove the rule. I mean, it really is. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I mean, I... I don't hate his movies, but I just never found them as mu- as amusing as other people did. Mm-hmm. But that's another day. That's another day. That is another day, because we do have to do a Mel Brooks movie. Um, yeah, well, I'll make you do Life Stinks. <sighs> eh, I don't have a problem doing that. Yeah, it's a piece of garbage. Uh, whatever, it doesn't matter. <laughs> that is a piece of shit. <laughs> I'm sorry. It is. It is. Meek and I watched it a few years ago. So yeah, it why. might be his worst film. Yeah. Um, so Fred Hollywell comes in, who is Ebenezer's nephew. Merry Christmas, Uncle. I said, Merry Christmas, Uncle. <laughs> humbug. Christmas, a humbug, Uncle. Surely you don't mean that. And he shows up every year, I guess, apparently to invite Scrooge to Christmas dinner. Yep. And I, I, this whole scene was, was, uh, was funny because Fred is relentless. And I can start picking why Scrooge might be the way he is in a way. Because Fred's like, you know, you come over here and, you know, have so, you know, it's Christmas, blah, blah, blah. And Scrooge bows back, you know, you keep Christmas in your way, I'll keep it in mind. But he's like, Fred is relentless. He lectures him on three different occasions in this one scene. Come now, nephew. You keep Christmas in your way and let me keep it in mine. Keep it? But you don't keep it. Let me leave it alone, then. 
Much good it may do you. Much good it has done you. There are a great many things from which I might have derived good, from which I have not profited, I dare say. Christmas among the rest. But I've always thought of Christmas time when it comes round as a good time, a kindly, forgiving, charitable time. A time when men and women seem by one consent to open their shut-up hearts freely to their fellow creatures. And so Uncle Bert has never put a scrap of gold or silver into my pocket. I do believe that it has done me good. And I say, God bless it. Scrooge is essentially saying, leave me alone. I don't care about Christmas. Yeah. Then Fred continues. Come, dine with us, Dora. Dine with <laughs> you. I'd see myself in hell for it. It would be a great joy to me. And to my wife. Yes, your wife. I'm told she brought very little to the marriage. A poor girl, instead. I love her. And she loves me. I... Yeah, I, I mean, I see where you're coming from. Uh, you know, I, I can't put Fred as the asshole, though. <laughs> no, but I'm saying... <laughs> I mean, I'm saying Scrooge is Scrooge. definitely the asshole in this <laughs> he is situation. Not, I'm not debating but this, yes, but... yes, being relentless that he wants to spend... Because he does it for his mother, though. Yes, and you know that. For his I mother, mean, yes. You find that out later in the movie, but Fred is... You know, he lost his mother, and he loved his mother, and his mother really loved... Ebenezer. Mm-hmm. So it was yes. always going to be, he will do whatever Never he to. can to be close to Ebenezer. To be exactly. But I just thought it was funny to honor his Sc- mother. Scrooge on three different times was like, just get, leave me alone. Just humbug. They just humbug. <laughs> just humbug. So. Okay, you, have you read The Christmas Carol? Because I don't yes. even know if I've actually read it at this yes, point. It's a, in short, time. it's a short read. You can read it in about an hour. Do know. they actually use humbug in that? Yes. Okay. I, I just didn't know. I, I I can't even remember if I've read it or not at this point. I've read so many different yeah. things in my life. It's, it's it's a quick read. You can read it one evening. Oh, okay. It's, it's not bad at all. It's you know it's not one of these. He wrote it back then when he wrote it. I think he wrote it in November. Okay. The turnaround was ridiculous on it. I think you might have been. He might have written. Yeah. It's like, not. It's not really a in depth story. I no. mean, it's a, it's five. It's, you know, five scenes. Well, essentially five parts. Damn. Um, okay, so eventually Fred says Merry Christmas to Cratch and Cratch Merry Christmas and Scrooge like the hell with this. And as they're, they're, they begin to wrap up the day on Christmas Eve, Scrooge has to get to, which would be the equivalent of the New York Stock Exchange. And as they're wrapping up, Cratchit, um, Cratchit's getting his top hat on and Scrooge's like, I'll suppose you're going to want the... Uh, the whole day off. The whole day off, and that's when <laughs> <laughs> the whole day. Such a Y'all dick. freaking Christmas. <laughs> he's a dick. <laughs> we just got, he's in a worse mood now. He's got to be in lecture for five minutes about why he's, you know, can't celebrate. I'm not defending Scrooge. Nope. But I can see how he can, you know, put propane on an already burning fire. Uh, then that's when Cratch is like Christmas. But it's only once a year. It's only once a year. A poor excuse for picking a man's pocket. Yeah. In this, you'll notice that um, the differences between this and other tellings of uh, Scrooge, again, what, what Scott said in the beginning, as we quote in the beginning about he, he wanted to adopt Scrooge in his own way, is that he's a much, a much uh, stockier Scrooge, not as scrawny. Well, obviously. I mean, yeah. size-wise, sure. Saw, and he's more of a ruthless businessman than just a, a, a miser. The only issue I pull with that is he's stalkier, so you would think that he's heavier, 
but he still lives like a pauper. So, you know, he's he's eating, like, basically cold soup later on. Fun shit, isn't it? You know what I mean? So he, he wants he, to save all his money. It's a conflicting ideal because he obviously doesn't gorge. No. So, he, you know, I don't know that that works as well as the Alistair Sims being, you know, scrawny. Um, but that, that's, once again, it's just minor little details. Minor little just details. minor details. So that's when Scrooge is leaving. You see, you <laughs> see Tiny Tim hobble up. Merry Christmas, Mr. Scrooge. I'm back on this corner, boy. I'm not begging, sir. I'm Tim. Tim Cratchit. I'm waiting for my father. <laughs> Tim Cratchit, huh? Well, then you'll have a long wait, won't you? Yeah. <laughs> Scrooge tells they, him they picked a perfect person they did. for Tiny Tim. And this, I don't... and this kid, this isn't written up here. Yeah. This kid was supposed to be like the next big thing. Oh, really? Didn't happen, yeah. I, I He looked like he was about to die. Yeah. I mean, he, literally, you're watching yeah. the movie, and he looks like he's about to just... I mean, either the makeup was really good, or this kid was just, what the hell? Mm-hmm. Because he, he looks like he ain't making it to next Christmas. <laughs> he ain't going to make it the next morning. Oh. Kids, I mean, seriously, he's, got, he's like a leper or something. So, so Scrooge tells him not to beg on the corner, yeah. and, then he, and then the kid just volunteers his name. Yeah, that never happens these days. Just, well, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm Tiny Tim Cratchit, you know? It's like, uh, oh. Oh, okay. Uh, figures, you know? Jesus. He'll be waiting here for... You'll be here for a while, kid. <laughs> You'll be here for a while, kid. Your dad's got to put in some extra time because he's taking <laughs> off tomorrow. <laughs> he's just such an asshole. Just an a- so, so then, then Scrooge, he, you know, he just you know, storms off, and there's these kids singing in the walkway. You know, they're they're singing their Christmas carols because that's what they do. They weren't inside playing video games like kids do nowadays. Scrooge just bulldozes over them. Oh yeah! Get, get over, get him he away. He just pushes him out of the way. Just pushes him out of the way. He's got somewhere to be. He's got to go to the stock exchange. And then here you go. You wrote this. This is when you, for the first time, you hear that that uh oh, that, that Christmas Christ. song that repeats itself. It's the only part of the movie I can't stand. Oh, Christmas Day! How's it? We're going to dub it in several times. Yeah, I hate people. that song, man. Yeah, it is. And it plays several times. In the uh, movie. God, they play it like three or four times in the movie, and it's just so bad. Mm-hmm. And I and it just felt to me like the, the only thing that it reminds me of is the end of Scrooge, where they just come up with a song out of nowhere, mm-hmm. and then they act like, oh, this has been around. Everybody knows this. What are you talking about? Yeah. Like, you know, what, what's the song at the end of Scrooge? Um uh, give me a helping hand. Oh yeah. yeah. Put a little love in your heart. A love in you, yeah. yeah, it's like okay, nobody knows the song. Why are why are you know we're sitting here in the audience and we're supposed to be singing along with a song that we've never heard before? I don't understand what you're doing. I don't understand. And this and it's felt like the same thing with this is just this is our new Christmas song. Get used to it. You better start singing it at Christmas time. This is horrible. It's horrible. This no, is a horrible, horrible song. Yep. So then Scrooge uh, makes his way into the stock exchange where he runs into a couple of his business partners, and they, they want to purchase some corn from him. He quotes a price that's a bit high. Now, come on, Scrooge, it's for the poor. Now they're, 
Lecturing Scrooge again. The price has gone up. Gone up? But that's not possible. You want my corn, gentlemen. You must meet my quote. Plus 5% for the delay. That's outrageous, Scrooge. You'll be left with a warehouse stuffed with corn. Well, that's my affair, isn't it? But if we pay your price, our bread will be dearer. The poor will suffer. Buy the corn someplace else. Good day, sir. Yes. <laughs> so, just again... Well, he yeah, he does get lectured a lot. But he, he does get lectured. <laughs> Believe me, he gets lectured a lot. So then he's like, if you don't buy it at this price, it's going to uh, go up another 5%. And then the businessman, he says, Scrooge backs away, lets him discuss. The, they discuss. Oh, he had already upped the price. He already upped the price from yeah, yesterday. Yeah, because the day before, they were like, oh, well, we have to think about it. And he comes back the next day, ups the price ups the 5%. Price. Then he was threatened. And he's like, <laughs> you just either take it or don't take yeah, it. Don't I don't care. It. And then, you know, but tomorrow's going to be even uh, it's higher. It's even going to be price. even higher tomorrow. <laughs> even though it's Christmas, I don't give a rat's ass. I got some cold pork. But it's eat. for the poor. It's for the poor. Yeah, lecturing them. And uh, they're like, all right, all right, Scrooge. We'll buy it. And he's like, all right. Does not ship until the cash is in hand. Good businessman. But that's the, uh, are there no prisons? <laughs> No, 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 no. That's not yet. Oh, that's you're the, right. You're right. That's, he's okay, got to that, get Right. Because it's right after that that he runs <laughs> so, into pool. So Scrooge, and, uh, hacking. after being lectured by these guys about this corn being for the poor, they strike a deal. He walks another few steps and runs into pool and hacking, who are trying to get Scrooge to donate to the poor. And they lecture him. Mr. Scrooge, I presume. Indeed you do, sir. You don't know us. Nor do I wish to. My name is Poole, and this is Mr. Hackett. Excellent. Now, if you'll allow me to pass. Uh, let me explain, sir. At this festive season of the year, it seems desirable that those of us with means should make some slight provision for the poor and destitute who suffer greatly at this time. Provision? Are you seeking money from me, then? Many thousands are in want of common necessaries. Hundreds of thousands are in want of common comforts. Are there no prisons? Plenty of prisons. The workhouses, they're still in operation? They are. I wish I could say they were not. The treadmill, the poor houses, still in full vigor? All very busy, sir. <laughs> I was afraid from what you said, that something had stopped them in full force. A few of us are endeavoring to raise a fund to buy the poor some meat and drink and food and warmth. Oh, what can we put you down for, sir? Nothing. You wish to be anonymous? I wish to be left alone. Since you ask me what I wish, gentlemen, that is my answer. I don't make merry myself at Christmas, and I can't afford to make idle people merry. My taxes help to support the public institutions which I have mentioned, and they cost enough. Those who are badly off must go there. Many can't go there, and many would rather die. If they would rather die, perhaps they had better do so and uh, decrease the surplus population. Surely you don't mean that, sir. With all my heart. Now, if you will go about your business, gentlemen, and allow me to go about mine. I really like your take on this. They lecture him about how he's supposed to help the poor. Right. So again... This is nothing but a movie. It's a two-hour-long movie of him just getting lectured by different people. Is it not? I mean... Think about it. We start off. Well, with he the, never gets lectured by Bob Cratchit. No, he never. No, he no, lectures no, 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 no. Bob Cratchit. He lectured because he's got to take it out on somebody. Sure. But again, Fred busted burst in on three, three times, three straight times. He's lecturing his uncle Scrooge. Yep. He has to go to the stock exchange to get some business done. Then they're lecturing him on the price of stuff that he's selling. He's selling. He sets the price. He sets the price. You have to buy it. Yeah, but he's they're lecturing him on this, and now he runs into hacking and pool. Who are lecturing him? 
on donating to the poor. Right. <laughs> and that's what Scrooge is like, now I'm not going give to you, give you shit. Are there no poor houses? Um, are there no prisons and things of that nature? Which is curious, because what is not being captured? I don't want to get all political. It's not a political show. But I look at this. It's like, this is the most pro-capitalist message ever. Maybe. Think, Maybe. <laughs> think about it, because he's saying that, you know, why do I have to give money to the poor when my taxes are being collected? Well, then, it, then if, but if that's the truth, then the, then the movie would be anti-capitalist in nature then. It's, to me, it's pro-capitalist, because he's essentially, it's on a few different times, he's, you know, he's saying, don't my taxes pay for these poor houses? And they turn around, it's like, these poor houses are for shit, essentially. Uh, I guess you're right. You know, it's like, Okay, so you're saying that the government can't run poor houses, that the pe- poor people don't want to go there uh-huh. because they're run by shit. And so then it pushes it back to personal, you know. And what does Scrooge do at the end? He personally. Exactly. Right, you're right. That damn. You're right, yes. you're right, you're Thank right. Thank you. Thank you very much. But uh, Greg yeah. Klein, that'll put a smile on Greg Klein's face because he knows I'm right too. So uh, the one, the, the big thing is uh, if they, you know, if they'd rather die, perhaps they should do so and decrease the surplus population, yep. which is obviously an important line here yes. because of what happens later in the movie. Mm-hmm. Then what happens? What happens here? So then Scro- Scrooge, I bet he's happy to get out of there. Who, Bob? No, no. Oh, you no. mean Scrooge, Scrooge leaving the exchange? Sure, he's happy to get the hell out of that mess. Yeah. And then we switch to Bob Cratchit, who's walking home with Tiny Tim. And they stop to watch other boys playing in the street. Yeah, that's a w- kind of a weird scene. It's a depressing scene, actually. A lot of the Tiny Tim scenes are very depressing, but she's like, can we stop and watch <laughs> the other boys play ball? Look. They're having such fun, Father. You'll be there one day, playing with the other children. I'm quite sure I will. I feel I'm getting stronger every day. Don't worry, Tim. You'll get better one day. You'll be able to play with them next year, next son. Year. Like, oh, no, this is 1843 oh, no, England. That's right. You're no probably going to just die of Lyme die. disease or something. Yeah, there, there's no medicine that can help you out here, buddy. Nope. Nope, sorry. Nope. So then you have, then he switched over with the ominous music playing as Scrooge is walking down the street. And again, great scenery. Yes. And then this white funeral procession with white horse pass on as Marley's ghost calls out the Scrooge. Yeah, and I and obviously I think that this funeral procession isn't really happening. No. The uh, funeral procession at the beginning of the movie kind of is they're telling you the background of Marley and they kind of make you feel like this is associated the the funeral procession is associated with Marley, which it's not. It's just a funeral procession that happens to go in front of uh, Ebenezer and Marley's store, Scrooge and Marley's uh, loan house, or whatever the hell it's called, mm-hmm. uh, House of Lectures. Right, House of Lectures. So um, <clears throat> at this point, with a white horse and the white carriage, and you know, it's all white. It's obviously supposed to be more of this is the actual funeral procession from Marley, and it's just a ghost procession. Mm-hmm. Scrooge. So then Scrooge eventually, and this is a classic 
moment from a Christmas Carol where where uh, you see it adapted in, in several different. Yes. Even even the Mickey version of Christmas. Yes, Carol. which yeah. by the way is my second favorite. It's version. fantastic. We have that on DVD as well. I think yeah. We watched that, it about twenty eight times. I'm yeah. Not exaggerating. It's it's. I love it. Thirty. There's a thirty minute thirty minute movie. It's great. Yep. Mickey's Christmas Carol. Yep. So now they they destroyed it when they decided to go back to the well on it, but. The original Mickey's Christmas Carol is, is wonderful. It's phenomenal. 30 minutes. It's all it takes. I mean, come on, Uncle Scrooge. Come on. Scrooge McDuck. Yep. Um, so, again, you see, see, see Marley's face being superimposed over Scrooge's door knocker. Classic scene. And, again, up to this point, I say here that so far we really see the brilliance of, of uh, Scott's acting. Well, yeah, and, we're you know, he's able to carry a scene by himself. He's able to have a... A scene with different characters and maintain, you know, maintain the character while basically, you know, just deflating everyone around him. I mean, it, it's it's the acting all around is very good in this movie, yes. but Scott's acting is is you know by far above everything else, mm-hmm. except for possibly Titan. the ghosts. The ghosts are not as well acted, in my opinion, as. Oh come on! The ghost of the Christmas of Future does a phenomenal job. Well, he doesn't do anything. <laughs> doesn't do anything at all. <laughs> you know, and I think that the ghost of present is a little too verbose. I love him. I mean, I don't, I don't dislike any of them. I just think he's a little bit too much over the top, mm-hmm. um, and the to the point where it's comedic. Which is not the intent. Uh, the ghost of Christmas past is a little too timid mm-hmm. uh, in, in sections, which I think she should have been a little more forceful. But it, it, it's overall, it's you know, it's fine. It's just if there is a weakness to that mo- to this movie, other than that really really shitty Christmas song, <laughs> uh, it's just those are the two weakest actors in the movie, in my opinion. And well, yeah, and they're coming up soon. Yeah. yeah, the rest of it's superb, superb, absolutely superb. Must watch. And they don't take away from the movie. It's just they're not at the same level as Scrooge. I agree. Or, uh, well, you know, Scott, 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 Scott himself, yeah, is a different level. So Scrooge eventually goes and in, goes into his house, which is just a huge house for the for the time period. Um, but he lives very modestly. Yes. You know, he lights a single candle. There's no other lights on in the, in the entire house. Well, there wouldn't be lights, but... No. Well, I say sources of light, I should right. say. You know, he doesn't go in there and start lighting up all these candles and make it look like a grand place. Well, the live. other thing that you notice, I don't... Well, maybe you didn't notice, but in the time, what they generally did to provide more light is when they would use a candle, they would have a candle in front of a mirror. Mm-hmm. And he was... Very wealthy, so he could afford mirrors. Mirrors, yeah. Uh, which would light up the rooms more, but he never does that. Mm-hmm. Never, you know, he, it, it's not even, he's just happy walking with his single, single candle. Single candle, walks up to his bedroom where he then triple locks the door behind him. Yeah. And the reason why I love this is because it, Scott said he wanted to portray the loneliest man in the world. And, well, that comes across. And what better way than, you know, lock, triple locking his bedroom door? Yeah. And, like, keeping everybody out, even to his most intimate. It's just the symbolism there, I think, is... I don't know if he had Well, to any- have this entire big house, and he... What's he do? He immediately goes to his room. 
He locks the door and he eats and you know eats cold soup in the quiet. <laughs> I <laughs> which, mean, which which puzzles me. <laughs> Where that soup came from? Like he's been out working all day. It could have uh, come lectured, from the maid. Being I mean, lectured, he does all day. have a maid. We okay. find that out later. Yes, you're right. So she might have left it there for him. Possibly, but it just he walks into his bedroom and just picks it right up. Yep, just just sitting there for him. And he, you know, he just I don't know. Or por I don't know if it was porridge or soup. I can't remember. Maybe he's trying to kill himself. Maybe he normally would heat it up, but after this day, he's like the hell with it. I'm going out. Give me this whatever disease I'll get from this, you know, cold ass soup that's been sitting out. Give me all that bacteria. I don't think he I'll, thought I'll about those Fred. kinds of things. No, I'm being never mind. <laughs> but uh you also notice in this sit in this setting, which differs from other settings, is that Scott is wearing still like a proper outfit, whereas in other adaptions of, of Scrooge, of Christmas Carol, Scrooge at this point is wearing like his night clothes. His night clothes. With the hat and all that jazz. Correct, with that, yeah. that pointy elf hat and all that. So he sits down in this, again, dark bedroom. You see cobwebs in the corners. You do see cobwebs in the corners, correct? Yeah, which that part, it doesn't make as much sense. It's I mean, if he maid. has a maid... Then why the hell is it that's dirty? So then he's a, a minor point. Minor but. point, yeah. So as he's about to eat his potato soup, that's when you hear Marley calling for him. Bells start ringing, and then you sound the chain approaching, and then the door unlocks itself and flies open. Yes. And Scrooge, what the hell is going on here? And that's when the ghost of Marley, who is played by Frank Finley, who is a legendary actor in England, but we're not going to get much in depth with him because he is out of our, he's really out of our time period, I guess. Yeah, I don't know yeah. much he's, about him. He's legendary in England. We'll just leave it at that. So he strolls in and on change. His mouth is tied shut. And this is when his ghost form solidifies, which not necessarily in the story, which separates this from other adaptions as well. Okay. He actually solidifies. He walks over and... Well, just having his mouth tied shut, that was always one of those weird freaking things when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. I, it, it always kind of freaked me out, uh, you know, and I, to this day, I'm not really 100% sure why the hell they tied his mouth shut. I assumed it has something to do with the barrel procedure, but mm -hmm. it's just weird. I do, there's a reason why. I have to remember what that is. So, he, so Marley with these chains, he's carrying these chains, these bank lock boxes with him. And Scrooge actually reacts to this. He, he, he ducks behind the chair and is like, you know, what the hell is going on here? And that's when Marley starts telling him who he is. I'm a former partner, et cetera, et cetera. I've come to um, try to help you, essentially. Yeah. I don't want you, I don't want you to experience what I've had to deal with in, in the afterlife. Um, yeah, great. Um, so Scrooge regains himself, his composure, and they both, and he sits down, and there's this back and forth between the two, whereas Scrooge is like, you are a great businessman, et cetera, et cetera, and then this is a classic line. Business, mankind was my business. The common welfare was my business. Charity, mercy, forbearance, and benevolence were all my business. The dealings of my trade were but a drop of water in the comprehensive ocean of my business. I'm sorry for your take. 
Is there anything I can do for you? For me? Nay. It is too late. But I have come for your sake, Ebenezer. Mm-hmm. I, I love that. So again, Scrooge is being lectured again. Yep. <laughs> for the for the fourth time today. Eh. For the fourth for the fourth time. It won't be the last. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Will not be the last. So this is when um, Marley eventually explains to him, as you know, as a listener knows, that he's going to be visited by three ghosts. Three? Three ghosts this night. Now, in the book, it was successive nights, whereas here, like Die Hard, they're doing it in one night. Another reason why Die Hard's ghost. (laughs) 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 Calling inspiration to Scott's A Christmas Carol. So Marley ties his mouth shut and flies out the window. Then uh, as when he flies, oh, up, I always liked how they was the first at one, the second at two, and the third shows up whenever the fuck he feels he, like. Whatever the hell he's, you know, he's got things to do. He's got other people to demonize. <laughs> that ghost ain't messing around. He he shows up where he damn well pleases. So, yeah, wonderful. Uh, Molly Ty, I said Molly Ty, he disappears, and then Scrooge like, eh, that's something I ate. Yep, <laughs> a bad potato, whatever. And he goes to bed, and that's when the clock strikes one. Wakes Scrooge up from his slumber. Nothing happens at first. And this is when we transition to the second part of this five-part play. This is the visit of the ghost of Christmas past. And that will be it for part one of A Christmas Carol. Part two, and all the ghosts will be visiting us later this week when we drop off the episode a little bit earlier for you. Usually do it on Monday. It's going to be this weekend, hopefully by Friday if I have the time. In the meantime, make sure to follow us on Twitter, JB's Driving. We have a Facebook account, JB's Driving Podcast. We also have iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, working on distributing that, and a potential webpage and YouTube coming up in the beginning of next year. Make sure to tell us your friends about us. Uh, Really appreciate the support so far. It's been overwhelming, and we're continuing to grow. Now, with that being said, uh, we will see you later this week, and have a Merry Christmas, and be safe out there.